When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike Trott is coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Now part of the athletic baseball show where you'll find great baseball talk all week long. And all season long, I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. Joined once again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Doug, happy 4th of July weekend to you. Yes, Jay, it's always baseball, 4th of July, barbecue, it's all the glory of American refinement. So I'm very excited about this. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're uh, enjoying ourselves here. Yeah, well, I, I know that you celebrated by calling a couple of games for ESPN. And like I, like I know you want to act like it's a holiday, but doesn't that really sum up life when you work in baseball? The rest of the world is lying under a beach umbrella. And you're asking, hey, what time's the game? <laughs> yeah, you're studying to the wee hours and researching uh freddie freeman uh it's uh <laughs> but it's what you do and i mean i've always associated first of all just warm weather alone with baseball but these holidays you know the mondays especially right you think of memorial day and, and all the ways that baseball comes together it's, it's like this is kind of what we do and then as a result you know thanksgiving christmas all these holidays then we're the ones you know kicking under the fireplace and in, in front of the turkey so so I'll, yeah i'll take it <laughs> i spent many years as the on-call guy uh, at ESPN on Thanksgiving. Not the busiest day to be the on-call guy. (laughs) (laughs) Hard as Scott Boris may try to inject himself (laughs) into Thanksgiving. But listen, because you're busy and because it was a holiday, this is going to be a little different kind of show. No trivia. So I'm sorry about that trivia, fans. That'll be back. And instead of a guest interview, we thought it'd be fun to kick around the first half of the season, look ahead to the second half with an all-star panel. Yeah. We've got two of our favorite people in the business. We've got the Hall of Famer himself, Tim Kirkshen of ESPN, and one of the great baseball writers in America, Tyler Kepner of the New York Times. So they'll be coming up here in just a moment. But first, Doug, we have a dilemma. You and I need to work through this. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, now we need to figure out what we're going to call this particular show mm-hmm. because we can't call it a roundtable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Yeah. 
here at the Athletic Baseball Show, we already have a roundtable that comes up every Wednesday. So this can't be a roundtable. It's got to be a different kind of table. We need to find some other name. Uh, We're each going to come up with something so we can thrash out. Mm -hmm. I'll let you go first. Well, I have a long list, um, but I'll to be brief. Um, I just you yeah. know it made me think round table, uh, round. Of course, the baseball is round, but uh, that's you know there's not a whole lot of other things. So it makes more sense to call it the diamond table because we're on a diamond. I mean, come on, it's just like obvious. So so I'm gonna throw a diamond table out there, and, and if you really, since you and Tim are kind of the original architects of this brilliant state of a, of minutia, which we all love. <laughs> then you are, in effect, founding fathers, founding, I guess, people, and therefore you're framers. <laughs> so I think you could call us the framers. I, I wouldn't put myself necessarily in that category. So, um, yeah, I think those are, are two, um, you know, but let's change the shape of the table. You know, it's, uh-huh. we play diamond on a, table. Yeah, we play on a diamond, so. Okay, so that's that's going to be your best ball. Yeah, I like Diamond that. table. Yeah. So it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Here, here is my idea. How about our all-star 4th of July jam or all-star 4th of July baseball jam or something like that. What, what do you think? It's a little, little. Uh, I would say it's probably a little hipper than yours. Yeah, I mean, like, like <laughs> strawberry jam? Are we talking that kind of jam? Yeah. No. No? No. Are you familiar with jams? Yeah, all-star yeah. jams? It's well, part of the popular to... culture. Yeah, from the 80s, yeah, absolutely. absolutely I agree. Uh, and since we love the '80s, I think that that fits wow. really well. Um, what about you know? What if we use something from July Fourth? You know, can we pull something with like what are the names of all these fireworks? There's probably some term in there, Roman candles or something. Uh, you know, Just something settle. beachy maybe. No, no. I look. We this is why we have a mayor of Starkville for times like this. Why don't we bring him in? It's Mayor Tim McMaster, Tim. Time for you to earn your hefty mayoral paycheck. Uh, what name should we adopt as the name for this week's show? I'll start by saying I like diamond because I was thinking like we could just change round also, but I was boring and I was like the square table, the whatever table. So the diamond table is pretty good, but when in doubt, I always go with alliteration. So mm-hmm. we're going to go with the all-star 4th of July jam. Oh, yes. Yes. I love it. I'll put it in you the know, I always wanted to have a job where I was in charge of like catchy names. <laughs> I, I used to think it, you know, sometimes you go to a, like, go out for lunch and they have names for all the sandwiches. I wanted to name, be the guy who wrote the names of the sandwiches, came up with the sandwiches. Oh, yeah. That would be great. So, yeah. I, I, I just named a show. I feel <laughs> like I can check that off my bucket list. You? Yeah, you now have to write your own headlines, Jason, from here. Oh, yeah, I often do, as a matter of fact. (laughs) (laughs) So, careful what you wish for there. But we have named our show, what is it again? The fourth of wait, it's the all star fourth of July jam. Jam, Mm. all right, let's welcome in our all star panel. First, the Hall of Famer, Tim Kirkshin is back. Tim, you're spending more time in Starkville than Cooperstown lately, but you'll be rectifying that shortly, I know, right? Well, thanks for having me back, and uh, it's always a pleasure being on with you guys. Pleasure's ours. Uh, also this week, it's the new beat writer for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, 
the great New York Times baseball writer, Tyler Kepner. Tyler, did you ride your rumble pony to Starkville? <laughs> I rode a yard goat to get there, and then I took a rumble pony into Starkville. So, yeah, all, all manner of, uh, of farm animals uh, for transportation here to Starkville. Yeah, the, yeah I, you, you, want, you can explain this if you want, why we're yeah. giving you a hard time. About as long as he doesn't ponies. get bit by anything, that's fine. But, so the Rumble Ponies, that was Max Scherzer's team for the last week or so, right? And Tyler, you had to go see Max as a Rumble Pony. Always a treat. Yeah, he was uh, he was ready to come home, I think. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, he, he enjoyed the experience as far as it goes. He would have rather been pitching for the Mets the other day, but um, he had a good time with it. You know, I saw his family was there, too, so they made a nice little uh, yard goat afternoon of it, or morning and night, I guess, but he looked good. I mean, he was throwing up to 97 miles an hour, and he was throwing all of his pitches, and he was doing the usual Max Scherzer stalking around, never really looking satisfied thing, so he looked like he was in uh, in game shape to me. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to him later, but so, wait, if he was if he was ready to come home, does that make him a rumbler and a grumbler? <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a rumble, Just asking. a rumble pony, I think, is named after the uh, named after the uh, you know carousel that they have up there. So he doesn't technically move; he just goes around and around in circles. And I think that's what Max thinks he's been doing. He's just been going around and around in circles until you get back to the big league. <laughs> that's true, actually. All right, we we spend enough time on the rumble ponies. It's, let, let's take some time and look back on the first half of this season. But, and, but especially preview what we think we'll see in the second half. So are, are you guys ready? If you are, we'll do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let, why don't we start with this? Biggest surprise team. Mm. Uh, Tim, I'm going to start with you. Your biggest surprise this year. Um, This is going to be a little bit weird, but I'm going to go with the Yankees. I picked really? the Yankees to make the playoffs. I thought the Yankees would be good. I just didn't see them being historically good. 35 games over 500 on July the 1st. I, I, I didn't know they could pitch this well out of the rotation. I expected some more injuries to the everyday lineup, but instead they're doing stuff that the 28 and the 30 Yankees have done and the 39 Yankees and the 98 Yankees. So it's a bit of a stretch, but they're better, much better than I thought they were going to be. And I thought they were going to be good. That's a bold choice, but a great choice. I, I, I like it. Um, Tyler, will save you for last. Doug, who's your biggest surprise team? Well, funny you should mention that. I, I agree with Tim. I was on the Yankee bandwagon <laughs> uh, in part I mean, I, you know, I had them in the playoffs more as like a wild card. We were, I was on the Blue Jays train. I'm still on their train. But I think it's how they're doing it. I've gotten to see a bunch of their games and, you know, the powers there, you know, the hitting for average and scoring runs and not actually striking out a ton, but also leading an ERA. I mean, if you just look at that Astros series, you see a team that wasn't really supposed to win any of those games. Right? And even when they're up, up against the wall, down to that last pitch, Aaron Judge single-handedly turned that into a split. And when you start winning games like that, and then win the games you're supposed to win, I mean, that's a team that I didn't see them to be this dominant uh, this early on. So, yeah, kudos to the Yankees. They look fantastic. Right. So we got two picks for the Yankees. Wow. Um, Tyler, I'm going to let you go next. 
Well, I'm going to say the Cleveland Guardians just because I didn't think – I really thought the White Sox would run away with it, and I, I didn't think there'd be much of a race. And if there was, uh, it, it might be uh, Minnesota and Chicago. But it's Minnesota and Cleveland right now. And, uh, you know, credit to the Guardians. <clears throat> they can really hit. I mean, you know, they're, they're – I don't think they can really hit, but they're, I didn't expect them to hit at all. Um, so they are uh, – <clears throat> they're hitting enough to support that great pitching. And we saw Andre Jimenez has really come into his own here in the first half. Um, Ahmed Rosario, another ex-Met, um, has been great as well. So they're really getting, you know, and Josh Naylor, of course, is uh, is hitting home runs and headbutting his manager and doing all kinds of, of, of crazy <laughs> stuff. So um, to go with Jose Ramirez. So starting the season by signing Jose Ramirez long-term, it just set a great tone, and uh, they've kept it up there. I, I'm going with the Guardians. Now, now, see, that's an excellent pick. I, um, that's the youngest team in the big leagues. I don't know if you guys have seen this. They're, they have a younger roster than any AAA team. It's amazing that yeah. they are where they are. Wow. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go way, way, way out on a limb. Mm. I'm going to pick the Orioles. <laughs> now, as we're recording this, the Orioles have as many wins as the White Sox. Since Memorial Day, they have a better record than the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Padres, the Twins, and the Rays. I did not think they were ready for this. Maybe they'd worn me down by losing 109 games every year, but I didn't see this coming. Did you guys? No, I, I thought they had a chance to be a pretty good offensive team, and they have become that. I just didn't know they would pitch this well, especially out of the bullpen. They're a much better team than I thought they'd be this yeah, year. Yeah, without John Means. Amazing. Okay, let's move along to most disappointing team. Uh, Doug, we'll start with you this time. Well, to be consistent, you know, I, I was on the Seattle Mariners bandwagon from spring training. Yeah, you were. Uh, Jesse Winker, Ejuenio Suarez, Frazier. You know, these guys, you know, you expected big things. Now, Suarez is not a big average guy, but they have struggled to hit 234 as a team. And, um, you know, they're just in the shadows in the AL West right now. So they're playing pretty well lately, you know, 8 out of 10. But, you know, I just saw them as a team that just was going to go that next level of rookie of the year. They just had a lot of pieces that have not come together. So uh, imagine Scott Service, you know, former teammate of mine, is you know, got to gotta produce this year. This was the year. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure he's up against the wall to some degree. So I, I got to go Mariners. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, Tyler, who's your pick? Well, that's a good one, too. I, I had the Mariners in the playoffs, um, but I'm not – you know, I, I think there was always a little bit of uh, hesitation there just because they outperformed their, you know, their run differential last year. So you were a little concerned about it, although I was buying it. Um, again, I'm just going to go to that AL Central, and um, I didn't expect Detroit to be this bad. I really thought they would make some, uh, some moves. Um, I mean, they did make some moves, but I really thought they'd start to start to be a, a player, right? You know, start to contend a little bit or at least make a little noise. Um, the White Sox obviously are, are a big disappointment, but we already touched on them a little bit. So I'm going to say Detroit just because I thought they were going to continue that upward trajectory after spending a lot of money um, on Baez and Rodriguez. Um, thought some of the young guys would take a step back. It really hurts that Casey Mize, you know, had Tommy John surgery. I thought he was going to uh, come into his own. Um, so it just shows you that uh, those rebuilding processes take uh, can take quite a while, and, and it's uh, a lot more growing pains in Detroit than maybe we thought. Uh, boy, there's no doubt. I thought they were going to finish ahead of the Guardians. Shows what I know 
Tim, who's your most disappointing team? Yeah, well, we've talked about it, but it's the White Sox for me. I thought they would win wire to wire. I thought they were really good, but they got banged up badly with injuries a second time now. Uh, they're four games under. They're five and a half out of first place. They've been outscored by 48 runs, and they don't get a whole lot of production from their left-handed hitters. I did not see this coming, even with these injuries. I still think there's time for them to return and win this division, but I did not see them scuffling through this length of time. Totally with you. Um, you know, I'm going the with the Angels. Um, that the Angels were once 11 games over 500 men. Uh, they have two of the biggest stars in this sport. You know who they are? Mm-hmm. I felt like they had upgraded their pitching. And they have just collapsed. They got Joe Madden fired. And they're, they're just spiraling. It's hard to watch. I, I mean, like I've said this on this show, my, my bucket list for the sport for this year is October with Trout and Otani. Is that not going to happen again? I, that's a, I, don't know, I don't know who else is disappointed. I am really disappointed, not just in them, but the fact that it's going to be another one of those years. Uh, why don't we look at the trading deadline? I want you guys to answer me this question. I don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but who gets traded first? Luis Castillo by the Reds or Frankie Montas by the A's? Of course, this assumes Montas is okay. He left his start Sunday after the first inning with some sort of shoulder tightness. Tyler, you can go first in this one. Well, I think uh, I think the A's are going to want to get rid of Montas first. Um it's just an everything must go sort of uh, mentality out there in uh, in Oakland. They're going nowhere. They might as well just go all out. Um, you know, every start that you can get with Montas, you're going to uh, you know increase your your trade value with him. Um, and you know, if 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 he struggles or if he gets hurt or something, that's a big big blow to what Oakland's trying to do there. So if I would, if I'm Oakland, I got rid of him as soon as possible and get all you can because you're giving teams another month if you do it right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, Tim, who do you have? I, I wouldn't be surprised if both got traded, but I'm with, I'm with Tyler. I think Montas is the first pitcher to go. I think a whole lot of teams will be in line. I still think he's got exceptional stuff and has had a good year. And why wouldn't you trade him at this point? You know, most of the team is gone. It's a rebuild. If you're going to rebuild, you got to go all the way, and that's trading Fra- Frankie Montas. Doug? Yeah, both 29 years old. I mean, I always worry about Castillo because he, you know, what I don't know what happens to that guy in April. I know it's not April anymore, <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, so, yeah, maybe as a rental that works, but longer term, if you're going to lock a guy up that could be a free agent around the corner, you do, you have to worry about that. It just has not gotten off to good starts. Montas seems like he's just, you know, found his stride. I could see him in the American League East. You know, you get him out of the division and being a separator for all those teams at the top, which is all the more remarkable how the Yankees are 12 and a half up on really good teams in their division. Uh, So I think Montas is the guy to go. I mean, the A's are just at the bottom of every category, you know, offensively, and it's, uh, it's been a struggle. So they might as well just keep going down and then build back up again. You know what? We're going to be unanimous on this one. I'm I'm also going Montas. Uh, I feel like when Billy Bean and David Force know they're going to sell, 
Um, they also know they'll get more back if they sell early. So the last time they were clear sellers, which I, I believe was 2017, I remember them trading Sean Doolittle and Ryan Matson to the Nationals right out of the All-Star break. Uh, the season might not even have resumed yet. I, I could see a repeat of that this year. Um, you've been listening on this guy since the offseason. I think they know already what they can get, who they can get it from. They've got a lot of teams in. I, I don't think they wait around. So we're four for four <laughs> on Frankie Montas. Um, and maybe he goes to one of those teams in the AL East, which leads me to the next question. How many AL East teams make the playoffs? Tim, your turn. Yeah, I picked four at the beginning of the season, and I'm going to stay with that. I think the Red Sox have made a remarkable turnaround, had a tremendous June, and I like them as a playoff team. I think Toronto's talent is exceptional. The Yankees are obviously great. And even though the Rays have scuffled here lately and have trouble scoring runs, they're the Rays, and they'll figure out a way. So I'm just not sold on there's a wild-card team from the West. I'm just not sure the Guardians or the Twins or the White Sox only. I think only one comes out of there. So I think four teams come out of the East like I thought in March, and I'm sticking with it. Okay, four for Tim Kirkshin. Uh Tyler, what do you got? I'm going to go three, and partly it's because what we talked about earlier, Jason, with uh, the Orioles being improved. I, I don't know. I haven't done, done the math, but it would be really hard to get four team or yeah, four playoff teams out of one division unless that fifth team in the division is just horrible, like the like the Orioles were last year. And if we're and if we believe that the Orioles are are a little bit better more competitive and they're not going to lose 100, 110 games, then I don't know where all those wins are going to come from that those ALE teams will need. So I think there's more wins to be had in the Central or the West, um, you know, particularly Central maybe when you're playing uh, Kansas City and Detroit who are just really going nowhere. Um, so I, I, th- I don't know who it'll be, but I think if you, if you toss in those teams – uh, Cleveland, the White Sox, Minnesota, um, the maybe the Angels, Texas, or, or Seattle. They're all kind of hanging around. Um, I'm a little more confident about one of those than all four AL East teams. That's a, that's a great point. Doug, how many AL East teams make the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think going into the season, I might even add two, but I, I, I like three. I do worry about the fact that there's great teams in the AL East that are just going to beat each other up. I mean, outside of just the Orioles being better, you know, you have teams that are, you know, Boston on fire, Tampa's always a pain in the neck. You have just teams that are good and know how to win. And so that finish line, that photo finish at the end, it's just going to be like a five-car pileup. And I just, I see them knocking each other out in some, some degree. And although I don't see a whole lot of strong teams outside of division leads in the rest of the American League, you know, someone might get hot. You know, maybe the Rangers or, or some Angels or somebody. Maybe it's the Mariners, I, you know, originally thought. And I think it's going to be close, the, the fourth team. I just don't see all four coming out of the East. I'm also going with three. I know I should never bet against the Rays, but they're banged up. Uh, this is not one of their vintage teams. Offense not as good. Defense hasn't been as good. Pitching a little more unsettled. Well, that's because of health. And 
Tyler made the point about schedule. So while he was talking, I looked it up. Uh, Guardians uh, have among the 10 easiest schedules remaining. And the those all these AL East teams, well, not the Blue Jays, but the Rays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, Orioles, all dealing with among the hardest schedules left. I think that's a, that's a big thing. I, and the only reason I'm hesitant is there's just not a lot of teams besides those seven teams that can get in. And the Rays are really still better than any of the AL Central teams. But the schedule, I think, is a difference maker. Uh, okay, here's a fun category. How about this one? A couple of Otani questions. Who hits more homers this year, Shohei Otani or Mike Trout? Doug, what do you got? Uh, as we're recording this, Trout has a six-homer lead. I'm going to go with Otani, and my deep, thoughtful analysis is because he wants to. That, that's all. I'm gonna, <laughs> he just wants to. And um, Otani just, you know, I, I do worry about Trout. You know, he's the injury bug kind of has been biting him of the last couple of years and, you know, may have to take some days. And Otani just, you know, he gets on fire. It's power fire. And uh, so I can see him going on a nice run. Uh, and, and at some point, you know, you're pitching around Trout or pitching around, you know, it's like, I don't know, between those two, you shouldn't pitch to either of them at a certain point. But I see Otani expanding and just doing what he needs to do to do damage. So that's it. I like Otani on that one. Uh, okay. I mean, you're, you'd be pitching around Trout to get to Otani, which <laughs> doesn't compute. But I, I, okay. Pitch around um, both of them. Tim? But it, who hits yeah. more homers this year, Mike Trout or Shohei Otani? I'm going to go with Trout because, A, like you said, he's got a six-homer <laughs> lead. Um, I think he's going to stay healthy the rest of the way. And as great as Otani is, and there's nobody like him, there's never been anyone like him, I think it's harder to be a pitcher once every five days and still produce offensively than it is to be Mike Trout is playing the same position Creature habit, so I'm going to say Mike Trout's going to hit 45 homers and is going to hit more than Otani. Well, you make a good case. Uh, Tyler Kepner, who hits more home runs this year, Shohei or Trout? I got to go with Mike Trout. Um, you know, he's as Tim was saying, he already he's already ahead of him. If you look at their slugging percentage, he's at 650. <laughs> you know, Otani's at a mere 505. Um, <laughs> so you you take either of them, but I, you know, Trout is just. Uh, He's still the premier player in baseball. And, you know, Otani is a premier all-around player in baseball. He's the one-of-a-kind. He's amazing. But I'm going to go Mike Trout. I don't think Shoei can pick up that six-homer deficit uh, when Trout is already slugging at a higher clip anyway. Um, All right, well, I'm going to go with Otani. Let me point out that uh, Trout is not going to play his last 75 games against the Mariners. Could be a factor. You might want to put that down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Otani's looked a lot better, uh, I think, the last couple weeks. And he's got the higher average exit velocity compared to Trout, higher max exit velocity, more hard-hit balls, hits the ball in the air more. And I I don't put anything past Shoei. He's superhuman. Doug, what's your word for Otani again? He is Otanic. He is Otanic. (laughs) (laughs) He's the most Otanic player in the game. So, Doug and I have Otani. Uh, Tim and Tyler are both going trout. 
They're they're going with the chalk, Doug. They are. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I got another Otani category though. Who winds up with more strikeouts this year, Otani or Justin Verlander? Uh, as we record this, Otani's got an eleven strikeout lead. Uh, Tim, I'll start with you. Well, it's not the same as having a six homer lead because you can make up 11 strikeouts in one start. It happens every night. Uh, But I'm going to go Otani here. And Verlander's had a remarkable season, but he's 38 years old. And at some point, he's going to have to slow down even a tiny bit. But more important, Otani's last month pitching has been ridiculously good. 21 and two-thirds scoreless. Uh, His his stuff is so overpowering right now. I think he's going to strike out more than Verlander, even though it will be really close. Well, that's a really – as always, Tim, you make a great case. Um, uh, Doug, who's going to end up with more strikeouts, Shohei Otani <laughs> or Justin Verlander? I mean, it's crazy that – just think about the last two questions. You have to compare one guy to <laughs> Trout and Verlander. That's all you need to know. That's right. It's, a, that's it's exactly right. It's completely absurd. Uh, yes, I, I'm going to go Verlander. I think it's just the Astros will be right in the thick of things. Dusty loves to, you know – get in that mix and know Verlander wants the ball. I see him making some deep starts. I know he hasn't had the same strikeout rate, but uh, I think he'll have more opportunity. So I'm going to go Justin Verlander. Okay. Tyler, uh, we have vote for Verlander. We have a vote for Otani. You can break that tie. <laughs> I'm going to go Otani on this one. Usually I, I would default and vote for Verlander in pretty much any pitching category, um, <laughs> but uh, especially because he has more innings than Otani. But Otani's strikeout rate is, is pretty remarkable. And, and Justin, uh, he, he is, a, you know, he's an artist out there. I mean, he is a power pitcher, but he also, he's been doing it for so long. I think he knows what he needs to do. And maybe at this stage in his career, it's not striking out 10 or 12 guys per nine. Um, he can get by with more like eight and, uh, you know, go, go deeper in game or go farther for his team. Um, he's already passed the 3,000 threshold. Uh, he's one of the great strikeout artists of all time, but I, yeah, you're right. I mean, at 39 years old, um, you know, he's, he's learning to be just as effective as always, but maybe not with quite as many punch outs. So I'll go Tani. He's still in that phase of his career where you go up there, just, you know, trying not to strike out and, and he's trying to strike you out at all times. All right. I, I'm, I'm actually going with Verlander and there's, there's a big factor here that I don't think we paid enough attention to. And that is, you know, Tani's not pitching every five days. They are going six-man rotation because of him. Uh, So Verlander's going to get more starts. He's going to pitch more innings. Uh, He pitches deeper in almost every start. Uh, I feel like he's building strength and reps in his rebuilt elbow. So I, I, I could see him actually throwing harder as he goes along. I know I just said I wouldn't put anything past Otani, but I'm going to bet on volume and track record here. So on the two Otani questions, we haven't settled anything. (laughs) Nothing new there. Um, All right, here's a fun one. Which team wins more games this year, Astros or Dodgers? Uh, Doug, you can start. Uh, I'm going to go – that's a tough one. I'm going to go Dodgers. They're – they're not quite as sharp. I know they got the Freddie Freeman things happening there, but you know they are 
They're so deep. I mean, how many all-stars on this team? Like 18 or something ludicrous. <laughs> MVPs everywhere. They're just built for the late run in the season to just – and it doesn't matter who they're going to play. Uh, and, you know, the division is, is, is okay. I mean, the Giants are kind of like in the middle. Uh, but, but I, yeah, I see them as just hitting their stride. And they're built to have a second wind. And whatever pieces they decide to add on top of that, who you never know, they might get Scherzer again. Who, who knows? So uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go Dodgers. Uh, Tyler, who wins more games, Astros or Dodgers? Well, maybe it's recency bias, but from watching the Astros a lot, uh, particularly in the last ten or eleven days, when they uh, they really took it to the Yankees and and the Mets, um, I think they won seven out of nine. Um, they look like the only team that can really you know, hang on the field with the Yankees or go, you know, be as competitive as, as they are. So um, very impressed with what I've seen lately from the Astros. And the, hey, the Dodgers are great, too. And you're right, they're probably going to add. Astros might add, too. So I don't know. I just think uh, the Astros have really shown a lot in terms of, you know, standing out above just about every other team uh, and, and standing right there with the Yankees. So, um, And I think, you know, the Dodgers have a lot of games left with San Diego. And I think that could be problematic, even though they've owned the Padres, really. Um, but I still think the Padres can, can make a little move there, and um, that might complicate things, the one-loss record. Okay, so once again, we have one vote for the Astros, one vote for the Dodgers. Tim Kirkshin can break the tie. Who wins more games, Tim, Astros or Dodgers? Astros, one more win as we record this. Right. This is the hardest of all the questions so far, but I'm going to take the Astros. I've seen them a, a couple times here recently. I'm really impressed with their pitching, and it's going to get better. I saw Lance McCullers throw a sim game at Yankee Stadium the other day, and he threw really well. And he told me afterwards, you know, August looks pretty good. And if he comes back and is really good in August to go with Valdez and and Verlander and the, and the rest of that, Garcia, that is a loaded rotation. That team can score runs. I'm just a little worried that the Dodgers, you know, with their injuries, and we're not sure about Walker Bueller. I'm certain the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs, obviously. But they've got the Padres and the Giants to deal with in that division where I just don't think the Astros have two teams nearly as good to deal with the rest of the way. Yeah, I'm also going Astros. Second easiest schedule in baseball the rest of the way. Second easiest. Uh, we just saw how good that team is in those nine games against the Yankees and Mets. I've only got one reservation about picking the Astros, and that is they're going to clinch on Labor Day. <laughs> and I, I, the Dodgers are almost certainly going to be pushed to the finish line in their division the Ailes Central is over already, so I, I've got a little hesitancy over that, but I, I still feel like the Astros are the team, right team, right schedule. Um, okay, we're going to get a little funky now. I, I wrote about Juan Soto in my last column, what we've learned, what we learned in June, and boys, Juan Soto has more walks than hits this year. Uh, just to give you a little perspective, if we, if we keep Barry Bonds out of the conversation, nobody's done that with at least 120 hits in a season since Jack Clark 35 years ago. So here's the question. Is Juan Soto going to join this club and wind up with more walks or hit or walks or hits? Um, Tim, this feels like a Tim Kirkshen kind of question to me. So what do you got, man? 
Uh, well, first off, we can't leave Barry Bonds out of this just because <laughs> of the 2004 season when he had 232 walks and 135 hits, he had almost 100 more walks than hits in a season. That is impossible. But I also checked, um, you know, there's some other guys who maybe didn't get 120 hits, but, you know, Gene Tennis, Gary Sheffield, guys like that, they had more walks than hits. So it's it was more, it was less rare than I thought it was. Therefore, I think Soto is going to end up with more walks than hits this year. Not because he's not a great <laughs> hitter. There's just no reason to pitch to him. And uh, Josh Bell's had a great year at first base, and they still don't pitch to Juan Soto and I don't think they will for the rest of the year I mean he's becoming Eddie Yost in a way Eddie Yost had what did he have 151 walks and 119 hits one year Soto is such a good hitter but I think his his eye at the plate is unmatched so I think he ends up with more walks and hits you're a wise man Tyler what do you think more walks or more hits for Juan Soto I gotta say more hits I mean the more walks would be a great uh Kirkian, Starkian kind of quirk out there, and it would be it would be fun in a way. But he's not a two twenty four hitter. I mean, I don't care who's hitting around him. <clears throat> this is a guy who's a two eighty, two ninety, three hundred hitter. Easy. Um, the hits are going to come. Everything's going to even out for him. Maybe not everything, but he'll get that average up. He's he can hit. He's he's not a, just up there to walk. He can hit. He's going to get more hits to walk. All right, Doug, you want to break the tie? Juan Soto, more walks or more hits this year? Yeah, I have to go hits. And it, I think I underscore the same thing Tyler's talking about, the 224. I just, you know, I see him, you know, whether he expands or whatever he does to get hot again, he's going to eventually find his stroke that maybe it's a little bit outside the zone. But just to, you know, he's that talented, right? He could hit bad pitches if he needs to. And I think it's just eventually going to be like the productivity will come with it. And and it might be a need of the Nationals. It's like after a while, like, yes, they're not trying to pitch to him. But as long as they're not intentionally walking him, he could have ability to do damage on those pitches and try to at least do something different to help the Nationals. Because it's not helping the Nationals offensively for him to just be on base and walking. So, you know, that's that's what I see. So even if he, just by opportunity alone, he gets up to 275 or something like that, that alone is going to create, you know, a lot more hit traffic. So, um, but this Juan Soto is just amazing. So it's, it's like, I don't hold anything past him. You know, you know, Ted Williams did this. He used to get a few hits. Like it could be done. I, Doug, you're wrong. Tyler, you're wrong. Kirkshin, you're right. This is going to happen. I, he, nobody pitches to this guy. I went and looked this up. Only 37% of the pitches he sees are in the strike zone. And he doesn't chase. He chases 21%. I mean, we've only tracked this stuff for 20 years, but you know how many players have had rates that low in both those categories over the last 20 years? Nobody, not even Barry, where like they don't throw him strikes and he doesn't chase. And Josh Bell's going to get traded. Nelson Cruz is going to get traded. That lineup is going to be a wasteland. Why would anybody throw him a strike? He is going to walk more than he gets hits. Tim, you're right. You are right. Uh, we can't get through a podcast without talking Freddie Freeman. So, higher slugging percentage this year. Is it going to be Freddie or that Matt Olson guy? Just so you know, as we record this, Freddie's slugging for 90 
Matt Olson is slugging for 81. So it's dramatic. Uh, Tyler, I'll let you go first. Well, yeah, it's uh, I got to go Freddie Freeman here. Um, I'm just going with the track record. The fact that he, he has he has a lot more uh, slugging in the tank, I think, than what we've seen. Uh, I saw him a week or so ago in Cincinnati where he was really starting to feel it. Of course, then he went to Atlanta and all the other feelings uh, came out. But I'm going to go Freeman. Um, just a proven track record. The summer in L.A. is going to get warm and going to get going. All right, so that's one vote for Freddie Freeman. Um, Tim, I'll let you go next. Yeah, I'm going Freeman also. Very close, though. <clears throat> Matt Olson's had a really good year. By the way, as you know, he's got 31 doubles already, what? which is remarkable. And remember, his first full year, his first uh, his first year in the big leagues, he had two doubles and like 189 at-bats. <laughs> and now he's got 31 doubles. And I think he's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark more. But I think Freddie Freeman's starting to heat up. I think in that lineup where he has lots of protection, much like Olsen does in Atlanta, I'll say both slug over 500 and Freeman by a little bit. Okay. we got two votes for Freddie Freeman. Doug, who has the higher slugging percentage, Matt Olsen or Freddie Freeman? Well, the only fitting outcome to this storyline, given what I saw in Atlanta when the Dodgers came to town, is that they will tie. They will have the exact same slugging percentage to the nose, 503. And uh, and it's fitting because that's like a coin toss anyway. So I figured, you know, why not? So that would be the only exciting and appropriate outcome to this madness of whatever's happening with Freeman and his agent and all the things. So, uh, yeah, I like that. The more doubles, though, for Olsen, a few more home runs for Freddie Freeman. Are we going to allow this? Are we going to allow Glanville to wimp out and pick a tie? That's bad. It's just not good. It's beautiful. It's artistic. So nobody's picked Matt Olson yet? You guys realize he's an extra base hit machine. He's on pace for 60 doubles and 25 homers. He actually has as many doubles as singles. I think that's going to change. So I'm going to go Matt Olson on this one. And I like my chances. All right, here's a really fun one. Total game started after the All-Star break by Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. You can pick any number, any number. Um, Tyler, you're the New Yorker. I'll let you go first with this. Jason, you know I'm a Philly guy at heart, and I live in Connecticut. I've never considered myself a New Yorker. Just let me say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry but, about uh, that. Yeah, but... You're the Rumble Ponies beat man. That's what I meant to say. Well, I'm going to say, let's see, I'm going to say um, 15. I'm going to say 10 for Scherzer and 5 for DeGrom. I just, I I don't know when DeGrom will come back. It's been a year. Uh, July 7th, it'll be a year since he's pitched. Um, He's just, he still has not started a rehab assignment yet. He's been throwing Live batting practice, 27 pitches, I think, is what he got up to. He's still got a ways to go. Um, and even when he does start, I, I, I really wonder if he's going to be much more than a five-inning kind of guy. Um, so Scherzer, I figure I'm just throwing 10 out there because the second half. We're talking just second half, right? Just the second half. Not, not from this part. Point yeah, because the second half doesn't start until July 21st, I think. So um, <laughs> that's about 10 starts, maybe a little more. Uh, you know what? I'll say 12 and 5. I'll say 17. That's your final answer? 17. Final answer, okay. 17. 
<laughs> uh, Tim, total game started by Scherzer and DeGrom after the break. Yeah, I'm going to say 18. I think DeGrom is coming back. I think they're going to be obviously extra cautious with him to make sure that he can be at his best in October. So no reason to push him in August and September. Scherzer's coming back. But again, why would you push him even though you got the Braves on your on your heels? So I'm going to go 18. I'm going to go Scherzer 10 and DeGrom 8 for 18. All right, we have a 17 and an 18. Ooh. Time for Doug Glanville to pick a number. Well, if this was The Price is Right, I would bet $1, and I would just know that I would be under everybody, and and they would go, they've blown way over the top of the price. Uh, because I think the answer is like 11. I mean, I just, I you know, they're just hurt. They're old. I appreciate them. They're dominant. With the Grom, it's a little scary. Like he, comes in he's just you know i don't know i feel like there's more to it and i'm not saying that with any insights other than it's uh it's tough to be a pitcher with that kind of velocity and that type of domination and stay healthy at this point in your career so i i just you know if there's 10 starts for each and the most could be 20 ish i see them getting about half of those games in there uh even if they skip starts just to be cautious because the mets are just because they might and most likely will be in the driver's seat where they can do that and back off. So anyway, that's what I'm thinking. Well, I don't know if they're in the driver's seat. Um, I don't. If they only get 11 starts out of those guys, I don't know if they win the division. I, I, I'm actually going to go where Tyler originally was with 15. I, I mean, I, I know Degrom's pitching for a contract, and he seems like he is healthy. I, I read that phrase from time to time. I hear the Mets say it, but I need to see it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I'm exactly where you were originally, Tyler. Ten for Scherzer, five for DeGrom, and I wonder if that is enough. All right, one more. Doug, and I, Doug we kicked this one around a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to frame it a little differently again based on my latest column. Who has more homers at the end of this year? Aaron Judge. Or Roger Maris. Uh, I know Roger will have zero this season, but <laughs> his 61 is is in the book. So that's the bar. 61 for Maris. Judge, go over him or under him? Uh, Doug, you can go first. Yeah, I have to say under. I mean, it's, it's so difficult for, especially in that division, they're not going to just keep lobbing the ball up to Judge and let him beat them opposite field in Yankee Stadium. For the rest of the year, They're, they just have some very good competition in that division, and uh, so I, I just think they're going to be under just by the way they're going to pitch carefully to him. Now it's a great lineup, but the damage to just get consistently get beat with a home run by Judge late in the season in September when you're in the race and it's in, in the divisional play, that's a mistake at that point. So, um, so I can see him getting 50, no problem. I mean, he just looks fantastic. And um, but even and even the health questions, he's been great this year. But you always have to watch that, especially late in the year. All right, so you're going under Tim, Roger Maris, or Aaron Judge? Yeah. Who you got? I'm going Roger Maris. It's just I, I see 50. I just don't see 60. The pitching today is so ridiculously good. The stuff these guys see is amazing and even though judge is doing things through 75 games as a yankee that only babe ruth has ever done 
I could see him hitting 21 homers the rest of the year, not 31. And therefore, I think he's going to end up in the 50s and not 62. Nothing against Aaron Judge. It's just the pitching we see today. I don't know how he's got this many homers. And Doug's right. They're, they're, they're going to stop pitching to him. And I think the Yankees might win the division easily. And then they may have to maybe rest him here and there to make sure he's 100% ready for October. You know, I want this to be a story. You guys are really puncturing that balloon. Tyler, are you going to – is anybody going to pick Aaron Judge here? Is it going to be you? I'm going to pick Aaron Judge. Why not? I mean, you guys make great yes. points. I'm not going to argue the points. They're all great points logically, but i got to root for the story, right? I mean, a Yankee being the one to eclipse uh, 61, just like 61 eclipsed 60 from a, a Yankee to a Yankee. It's taken a while. But uh, I, I, let's root for it. I'm going to root for it, and uh, why not? I mean, the way Judge has been playing, it, it, it has one of those feelings like it's just his year. I remember watching A-Rod in 2009, all of his saga and everything, and it was just his year somehow. Um, I feel like this is the Aaron Judge year from the very start of, spring, you know, of regular season when they put his contract out there and he rejected it, and he's just going out there and betting on himself and otherworldly – uh, performance. So I don't know if I really truly believe it, but I sure want it to happen because it's going to be a great story. Uh, Aaron Judge, 62. Okay. You're my, you're my hero. I, I'm actually going the same way. I was originally going to go under. And the more I heard you guys talk, the more I thought, no, we need this to happen. Uh, like 60 homers, 61, 62 in the New York Yankees. Like, that's a thing. We, we need that thing to happen because, and the other great thing about it is, if he does it, then he goes off into the offseason oh to seek his contract. <laughs> and I can't wait for the Yankees to say, hey, that was really cool that you just did what only Babe Ruth and Roger Maris has done. But go get your money somewhere else. I really want to see them try to take that stand. No way that happens. Well, they're going to so, give him a pay cut. That would be back. That would be the Maris, oh. the Maris days. That's what happened, right? <laughs> nice job. Uh, here's a ten thousand dollars off. <laughs> yeah, we're not back in those days, but I'm, I'm totally with Tyler rooting for the story. All right, I got one more surprise category here. You guys don't know this is coming. Mm. How many minutes in Tim Kirkshen's Hall of Fame speech Ooh, here in a couple of weeks? Nice. Uh, Tyler, you've seen a lot of those speeches. Does Tim, does Tim have what, to opt out of this question? What's your over-under on Tim's Hall of Fame speech? Does he have to opt out? Of his, well, I guess he could try to answer. No, no he's going he's gonna to tell us at the end. <laughs> yeah, he could, he could rig the, uh, the election. Um, I'm going to go 22 and 22. How about that? It's, it's the year 22. I'm going to say 22 minutes. After Jim wow. Palmer also. Jim Palmer, a good Oriole, good Maryland guy. I'm going to say 22 in honor of Jim Palmer and the year. Mm. Okay. Um, Doug, what do you That's think? Good. Well, How long will Tim Kirkson's Hall of Fame? Well, here's the first one. What do they tell you? Do they just not give you a limit? Or <laughs> oh, do they tell you like... Tim, Tim and I can tell you all about that. They're going to tell us what, like eight? Eight minutes? My, yeah. My, well, I, I mean, I can I can tell you mine somehow got to 20. 20. Okay. All right. <laughs> I didn't think it would. Well, I, see. I timed that it was 14. And somehow right, I'm going to do the numbers thing. All right, Tim, when's your birthday again? When do... December right, 10th. 12, 10. And uh, and then you're like what fifty one? How old are you now? <laughs> I'm eighty one. I'm sixty five years old. Okay, all right. So that yeah, I'm gonna say I, I like that. I'm just gonna say twelve ten, and then sixty five a hundredth of a second. So that's it. 
What did you just guess? Twelve ten. <laughs> if you rounded, it'd be twelve tw- minutes and ten seconds. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Okay. I didn't follow that. Um, all right. So as I said, mine was twenty. I think Tim's got way more great stories than I brought to that table. Um, uh, you're also in a situation like me where the broadcaster who's being honored with the Frick Award no longer with us. So it's Tim Kirkshen's show. I think yours is going to go longer than mine. I'm going to go 21 Whoa, minutes nice. for you. So now Tim Kirkshen can rig this whole thing. How long is your speech going to be, Tim? Well, I timed it again this morning. Uh, it, it timed out at 18 minutes. Oh. Now, that doesn't count in case because I'm so afraid that I might faint in the first minute and a half. And then how long will it take to revive me? I'm going to go 18 minutes because I know at the hall they're, they're on a schedule, as you know, Jason, and everything is on the schedule for the day. So if, instead of going 10 or 18, I go 48 minutes, which would never happen. <laughs> then they would be angry at me. And the, the last thing that could happen is that the Hall of Fame is angry at me on Hall of Fame weekend. So, all right, so what was your number that you're picking? 18. You've timed it out at 18. Okay, it's gonna be like 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care. Costas did like 40 minutes, something like that. And he, he he said basically, look, there was hardly anybody else was speaking that day. Why the heck not? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to stop me? So, uh, good luck on that. Now the, you'll you you have the Hall of Famers saying afterwards, great speech, loved it, a little long. <laughs> I don't care, Tim. Go as long as you want. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well, I I cannot look at it that way. That this is I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold to form. I wrote my speech. I'm gonna. I'm going to do it the way I said I would, and that's 18 minutes. <laughs> okay. All right, you heard it here first. We're, we are going to revisit this after the speech, though, for sure. There we go. All right, boys, this is this is the greatest all-star 4th of July baseball jam we've ever had on this show, and also the first. <laughs> but but I, I think we should make this a tradition. I look forward to the next one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will see you both at the all-star game, right? Absolutely. I'll be there. Yep. I'll see you. I'll see you there. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Strange but true. Okay. We've skipped a lot of our regular features in this show, but not this one. Can't have a Starkville without a strange but true segment. And am I right, Doug? Absolutely. We need it. It's up. It's mandatory now. Gotta have it. We need it. America needs it. So here we go. Uh, uh, Doug, we, we have to talk three homer games. And especially we have to talk about a team that seems like it has one every day all of a sudden. And I'm talking, of course, not about the Yankees. I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates. They hit a three homer day. They hit a three homer game every day, whether they need to or not. June 19th, Jack Sawinski had one. Yep. June 29th, Brian Reynolds had one. And then on June 30, it was Michael Perez's time. Let's hear how that one sounded. And now Perez drives one to right field. And he clears the deck with a cannonball. And there's a drive to right field. And clear the deck with a big time cannonball. And it's a drive to right. Michael Perez! Clears the deck! 
a three-homer game. It is the Lumber Company. Another three-homer game. Michael Perez? Michael Perez had a three-homer game? He was hitting 129. <laughs> 129. And he had three homers. Uh, our friends from Stats looked this up. Lowest batting average any player has ever had before a three-homer game who's played as much as he had. So... Let's go through this, Doug. No Astros have a three-homer game this year. No Braves have one. No Dodgers. No Brewers. Aaron Judge, he doesn't have one. The Pirates have three. Um, you played for the Phillies. I covered the Phillies. The Phillies have had three of these in the last 25 seasons. And the Pirates just had three in 11 days. Uh, first team in history to have three different players do that in the same calendar month. And uh, one more question for you, Doug. How many two-homer games do you think that Jack Sawinski, Brian Reynolds, and Michael Perez have this year combined? What do you think? Boy, it's got to be zero. I saw one of Sawinski's homers. <laughs> I called one of them. I... Can't imagine it being more than zero. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. None of them have a two-homer game, but they all have a three-homer game because baseball is awesome. <laughs> Doug, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, this this sort of underscores some of the aspects that we love, right? I mean, you know, I it, I go back to some of the playoff moments, and you always hear this term like unlikely hero and stuff like that. And of course, I've kind of always taken some offense to that because it's like you're on the field, you're a big leaguer, you're you're in in the moment, and any player at any given moment can have that day that just everything lines up. And no matter who's on the mound or whatever zone you get into, I mean that is the beauty of it. 162 games. I don't care if you're the worst hitter in the game or the best hitter in the game, you're just gonna have a moment. You're gonna have a day. And and it could be against a Hall of Fame pitcher. It really doesn't matter. And and you know every time I see Joe McEwing, I always talk to him about Randy Johnson. Like, why did you own this guy? Right. <laughs> so I I just that's the magic in it. Like, it actually makes sense in baseball because of the number of opportunities. And as a player, when you feel a certain way, you know I, I go back to the last game of the season in 2002. My father passed away in New Jersey. I'm in Florida playing against the Marlins, and I was two hits away from a thousand hits. And I remember, you know, and I remember Larry Ball was, didn't play me the first game of the series, and I was always close, and I got two hits off the bench to go from 996 to 998. And then I, Carl Provano was starting the last day, and I got the start. And I remember waking up and I'm like, this guy cannot get me out today. It's just, it was just that feeling. And yeah, why can't we have that every day? I don't know. But I just had that certain feeling and focus uh, because of the milestone and you know, knowing my father was, you know, towards the end. And I mean, three, three for my first three, you know, just boom, 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 three hits in a row, you know, and, and so you understand how you can get in that place. And then you always ask, like, why can't I do this every day? And that's what's so hard about the game, which makes it this ultimate challenge, because you you can't just, you know, create that every day. And uh, so although it's shocking and how frequently or what the guy's batting average it doesn't really matter in the moment of when you wake up that day, you can still do something magical. And that's that's so much part of what baseball is. Any player, any given time, I don't care what his resume was coming in or what it is going out, you can have a day like this and, and put you in, in the class that 
only Hall of Famers can talk about. And, and I think that's the beauty that you can all be a Hall of Famer any day of the week. So every player can have a Michael Perez kind of day. Uh, remind us how many three homer games you had again? I didn't. I did. Uh, I hit two off the Blue Jays and one off the wall, so it was pretty close. <laughs> well, oh well, we we could be playing the audio of that. If only you, if only that ball goes over the wall. Yeah, so oh, well. close. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety, absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read any of the awesome writing in The Athletic, this is the time. Because if you go to theathletic.com slash baseball show, and if you're a new subscriber, you can subscribe for just $1 a month for the next six months. Mm. Also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show, uh, except this week, we pick the most fun listener trivia question of the week. Then... That listener gets to join us and prove once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So, how could you submit a trivia question to us? Well, there's email at Starkville at theathletic.com, or there's always Twitter. And did you know you can find Doug Glanville on Twitter? Doug, this is true? This is true. I'm trying to figure out like how long I've been. It says joined April 2010. So I've been there a while, actually. Long time. Yeah. All right. So how would somebody find you anytime between now and April 2010? Well, you certainly could do a quick search, but you will find the address of <laughs> at Doug Glanville. Pretty simple. D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N and then V-I-L-L-E. I see. So just spell Doug's name. Yeah. You know, but you only have to spell my first name. At J A Y S O N S T, Jason with a Y S T. Please hashtag those questions, hashtag Starkville QS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Tim Kirkshin and Tyler Kepner for joining our All Star Jam. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Tomorrow is the actual roundtable day here on the Athletic Baseball Show, as opposed to all-Star July 4th Jam Day. <laughs> and Doug and I will see you next Tuesday on Starkville. Starkville.